Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com and ADC Media, producers of fine Catholic programming like Light of the East, and supplier of imaging, underwriting announcements, and promos for Catholic podcasts and radio stations. Inquire at ADC Media 128 at Outlook.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. This week in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we have a beautiful feast day, one that essentially fell out of use or any kind of real popular or common practice in the West. But in the East, it's still a very beautiful and strongly celebrated feast. It's called the Feast of the Entrance of the Mother of God into the Temple. This is where she's brought into the Temple at age three, according to the tradition, to be raised in the Temple to become herself a mystical temple. A temple is where, of course, God's presence is. God's presence was within the Virgin Mary, and therefore she is a temple, or sometimes called a mystical tabernacle. And the story goes that she was fed by angels in the temple as she grew up there. She was dedicated to it. Her parents brought her, Joachim and Anne, brought her to the temple, turned her over there to the high priest, and she grew into the mystical temple, the tabernacle. And this is one of those prelude feasts before the nativity, before the Christmas season. So it's very appropriate to come now because we'll be getting into now the fast, the Philip's fast. We call that the Byzantine church where we give up meat and dairy products for the time of what the West would know as Advent. And of course, we increase our prayer and our charity, scripture reading or quiet. We sort of do the opposite of what the world does. The world tells us to pile on, to consume more, to buy, to eat, to party. You know, they call it the joy, the Christmas season. Yes, there definitely is joy, but before the joy has to come a preparation for that joy. So it's really real. It's much richer. See, if we follow the cycle of the church, the geniuses of the liturgical cycle of the church, that bell curve I often talk about here in Light of the East, where there's a rising preparatory action and then the moment itself, the actual event, such as the coming of Christ in the flesh on Christmas, And then there's the follow-up from that, or the 
falling action, the resolution. So there's a preparatory period, which is largely penitential. So we fast, we pray, we, we actually pull back. Instead of adding on, consuming more, we pull back. I know it's very, very hard in our culture because there's lots of joy this season. There's lots of office parties, this kind of a party, that kind of a get-together. And it's okay. They're okay in and themselves. But the problem is, it's really not the right kind of preparation for the feast itself. In other words, joy doesn't mean you're constantly parting, constantly feeling joy or putting on the posture or convincing yourself of being happy, especially through food and drink and socializing. That is not what real joy is. The real joy, and you should try it, try taking the church liturgical cycle very seriously this year as we lead up to the birth of Christ. Get into this fasting. That was actually this penitential dimension with fasting and pulling back, more silence, more scripture reading, more holy stuff. That actually was very much the tradition of the Western church as well. This is why in the West, they use the color purple during Advent. It's a penitential color. In fact, in the West, they used to actually cover the altar area. There was a canopy over the altar area, and they'd actually cover that with a curtain so that people could not see. It was like that was the wedding chamber that was concealed until the day of the bridegroom who would come and wed his bride in the birth of Christ. The incarnational event, as John Paul II rightly called it, a spousal mystery. So there's a nuptial dimension about the altar in the early churches, the early centuries of the churches, the altar being that nuptial bed. It still carries that theology, just that it's somehow, to an extent, been lost, but it's still there in its reality. So they would actually cover, veil the altar area, even in the Latin Rite Church. So in the Latin Rite and the Eastern churches, any preparation for any major feast was always penitential. But penance does have its own joy to it. You know, it's like the feeling you sometimes get. You don't, don't always get it. You don't have to rely on that or expect it, but it's nice when it happens. People will often talk about having this wonderful sense of joy or relief after they've gone to confession. What did they do? They repented. They admitted their sins. Now, that seems kind of dark and dour, but actually it produces joy. Why? Because it produces freedom. It gets us back on track connects us, reconnects us with God, with grace, with all that's good, with the order of things. So there's a joy to repentance. So yes, there is joy, but we have to understand what that joy is. Then, of course, there is the joy of the season itself, the actual event itself, and then the what we call the post-festive, the days after the actual event. Yes, those are very joyful. But before that, we prepare by cleaning house, a time of penance, of quieting, not taking on and consuming more, parting more, loudness, rather stepping back for, with quietness, control, self-discipline, continence, patience, all kinds of self-discipline, where it's a pulling back and getting rid of excess and opening ourselves. That's why we do that, fasting and divesting ourselves of things. We open ourselves for what is greater, for what is holier, what is better, more important. It's very, very ingenious. It's spiritually ingenious. It also helps us physically too. So take it seriously as we move into this time of Advent, or as we say in the Eastern churches, the Philip's Fast. It's called Philip's Fast only because it begins in the Byzantine church on the Feast of St. Philip. It's just a coincidence. So it got known as the Philip's Fast. There's another issue that has come up in discussion from the Amazon Synod, which recently concluded. 
And it's relevant for us here at Light of the East because it has to do with rights, the rights of the church. And we're all about the rights of the church here in Light of the East, especially the Eastern rites. But we're all about presenting how the different rites of the church are their genius, how they complement and work with one another. So during the Amazon Synod, there was some talk about an Amazon rite. You see, the Pope and the Synod Fathers were convening to discuss and consider how does the church reach out more effectively to people who are difficult to reach or who need to be really re-evangelized or evangelized for the first time in areas such as the Amazon in South America. Well, in that discussion, in that effort, there was some mention of a Amazon rite, like they could have their own custom, their own expression of the Catholic faith. And a friend of mine wrote to me, and he asked me this question. He said, said, Father, I haven't really seen address all the talk about an Amazon rite. That's R-I-T-E, spelled R-I-T-E. This seems to me to be impossible as well, or at the very least, something without precedent. I thought it was odd how some at the Synod were comparing a supposed Amazonian rite to the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church. What are your thoughts on this? As I understand, the Code of Canons of the Eastern Churches says this, quote, Canon 28. A rite is a liturgical, theological, spiritual, and disciplinary patrimony, culture, and circumstances of history of a distinct people, by which its own manner of living the faith is manifested in each church sui juris, which means a church in and of itself in its own right. That word sui juris. My friend said, I don't see how an Amazon rite could have liturgical or spiritual patrimony as nothing was ever handed down throughout the ages. All the Eastern Rite churches have their basis in antiquity. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Pope St. Pius V suppressed all Western rites that were less than 200 years old after the Council of Trent ended, as they did not have their basis in antiquity. I thought it would be ridiculous to suggest an Amazon rite could be in any way analogous to the Byzantine rite, Armenian rite, or any other Eastern rite of the church. Such an Amazonian rite would be fabricated, on-the-spot creation kind of thing. What do we make of all this, Father? God bless you. Well, in answer to my friend, he brings up a very good question. In the definition he gave of a rite, it was very accurate, coming from the canon law and also from the tradition of the church, how it defines right. Also, what's helpful is Father Robert Taft, a blessed memory, a famous Jesuit liturgical theologian for the Eastern Churches. He wrote a wonderful book years ago called Eastern Rite Catholicism, Its Heritage and Vocation. And in that, he said, a rite is simply Catholicism as it has developed according to the culture and spirit of a particular people. The word rite, bearing as it does the connotation of ritual or ceremony, is perhaps a poor choice to denote an extremely complex and rich reality. For rite is not just liturgy, but rather a complete Catholic tradition, unique way that a particular community of the faithful perceives, expresses, and lives its Catholic life within the one mystical body of Christ. The various rites of the church are best known to us through their liturgies. This is understandable, for the liturgy is the most perfect and official expression of the soul that animates each tradition. It is by no means the only expression, however. Rite also includes all the other elements we would expect to find in a Catholic culture. Schools of theology with the fathers and doctors, canonical discipline, schools of spirituality, devotions, monasticism, art, architecture, hymns, music, and also, and this must be stressed, the peculiar spirit that created this tradition 
that in turn is fed by this tradition and that is essential to this tradition. It's a very fine explanation by Father Robert Taft in his book, once again, Eastern Rite Catholicism, Its Heritages and Vocation. Very, very small book, very manageable to read, but full of great information, as you just heard. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this meaning of right, and can there actually be an Amazon right? I'm Father Thomas Leo on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya inviting you to join the 2020 Theology of the Body Institute on the ultimate pilgrimage, walking and praying in the footsteps of Jesus. Join myself, Christopher West, Father Justin Brady, Jason Clark, and the TOB team as we visit Jerusalem, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the Via Della Rosa, Bethlehem, and more. The 2020 TLB Institute's Holy Lands Pilgrimage, Saturday, February 15th through Tuesday, February 25th, 2020, with an optional extension to Jordan, February 25th through the 27th. While you're on the 2020 TLB Pilgrimage, you'll have first-class hotel accommodations, air-conditioned tour buses, breakfast, and daily dinner, plus special meals, daily formation with Christopher West and chaplains. For complete information and registration for the 2020 TLB Institute's Holy Lands Pilgrimage, visit tobpilgrimages.com. That's tobpilgrimages.com. Or call 1-800-842-4842. Reserve now. Hi, I'm Bishop Earl Boyer for WJKNAM and W227BYFM, Good Shepherd Catholic Radio in Jackson, Michigan. And you're listening to Light of the East. What is the Byzantine Catholic faith and its spirituality? Would you like to learn about the art of bringing others to Christ and learn about unlocking the mystery of the faith by taking an introduction to Eastern Christian Bible study? Your gateway to learn more about these and other topics and experience the richness of the Byzantine Church is as close as your digital device. Visit God With Us Online, which offers free live webinars. Registration is easy. All you have to do is register at easterncatholic.org forward slash events. That's easterncatholic.org forward slash events. Your Byzantine Catholic faith will grow as you experience these free live webinars, which will give you greater insights about the varied and rich aspects of the faith. Visit easterncatholic.org forward slash events. God With Us is an outreach project of the Eparchial Directors of Religious Education and the Eastern Catholic Associates and is dedicated to the catechetical renewal of Eastern Catholics in the United States in accord with the Church's call for a new evangelization. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're answering a question from a friend of mine on the heels of the Amazon Synod. Also, we spoke about this upcoming feast of the presentation of the Mother of God into the temple and also the Advent season or the, the Philip's fast season, as we call it in the Eastern churches. But this question of can there be an Amazon right is answered in basically the no because it does not fulfill the Amazon experience 
does not fulfill what is the traditional definition of right. Right has to have antiquity. It has to be something that is passed down with its own elements, such as its own saints, its schools of theology, and so on. And that's not true with the Amazon Synod. You see, that's not true with the people of the Amazon who were the focus of this Amazon Synod. It's nothing against them. It's not a criticism. It's just saying they don't have this kind of patrimony that entitles something to be called a right. That's a very specific term. It's a very loaded term, very substantial term. It's not just about, well, these people do things this way, so we'll give them their own right and kind of let them go off on their own and do what they want because that's their culture and what they do. Yeah, there's part of that in there. You, you take the expression, the spirit, the ethos of a culture, but you use that to bring about and express and immerse that people into Christianity. You don't change Christianity for the culture. In other words, you bring Christ and Christianize the culture using and respecting what is there, but you aim it and bring it to its ultimate fulfillment and meaning and value in Christ. Sometimes this gets turned around. In his encyclical Orientalis Ecclesia, Pius XII indicates clearly that our Oriental traditions include much more than liturgy. So it's not just how you do a Mass that makes a different rite. The Pope, Pope Pius XII, said this, It is important to hold in due esteem all that constitutes for the Oriental peoples their own special patrimony, as it were, handed down to them by their forefathers. And this, whether it regards the sacred liturgy and the hierarchical orders or the other essentials of Christian life, provided only that all is in full conformity with genuine religious faith and with the right rules of moral conduct. For law for freedom must be allowed to each and every people of Oriental right in all of their own peculiar genius and temperament, so long as they are not in contrast with true and integral doctrine of Jesus Christ. And that was Pope Pius XII. So back to Father Taft. He says, An Oriental rite, therefore, is not just a different way of saying Mass. It is a special patrimony. And he put that in quotes. With its own feasts and fasts, saints and shrines. It is devotion to the Mother of God without rosaries, devotion to saints without novenas, devotion to the Eucharist without exposition or benediction, the observance of Lent without stations of the cross. And what is more important, it is another genius and temperament, an oriental ethos from which these ritual and devotional differences flow. Okay, now when he outlined what these Eastern rites don't have, it doesn't mean that's some kind of deficit or they're not part of the Catholic faith because they have their own specific devotions and rituals and services and prayer. Now, some may overlap and be similar to the Latin rite, but mostly they are different. They're indigenous to the Eastern rites. So because we may not have a novenas or exposition or benediction in the way that the Latin Rite Church does, that's not a deficit. It's not like we're subpar, we're missing something, because we have other kinds of devotions along those lines that honor the Eucharist, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the saints, and so on. So a rite has to be something very substantial, passed down through time, intact with its own particular elements. And It does not seem like the people of the Amazon really qualify for that. And again, it's not saying anything against them. In fact, it's actually saying something for them because you want to be honest when it comes to the church. These things are not willy-nilly. They're not to be approached in a superficial way. There are bona fide rights of the church. And by the way, 
do not get them confused with different orders, religious orders. Sometimes I get confused. People will say, oh, well, what order do you belong to, Father Tom? And it might be because when I wear the traditional Eastern priest garb, you know, the called the riasson, you know, kind of that black kind of flowing, looks almost like a robe or cape. That's sort of the Eastern version of the cassock. Whenever I wear that, it looks something like a habit. So perhaps that's where people get confused. But I find that many, many Latin Rite Catholics will ask me what order I belong to. And I'll say, I don't belong to an order. I belong to a rite, just as you do. A religious order is something different. A rite is this ways that an indigenous people expresses their theology, expresses themselves in terms of the right belief. So the Different rites of the church are the Byzantine rite. And again, some of these are like umbrella rites. Think of it that way. They're like umbrella terms. There's there's jurisdictions underneath them. Like, for example, many jurisdictions defined by their ethnicity follow the Byzantine rite. Ruthenians, Ukrainians, Italo-Albanians, Macedonians, and so on. A lot of people follow the Byzantine rite. The next rite is the Cyril Malabar and also then the Cyril Malankar. Both of these are from India, from the largely from the Kerala region of India. In fact, the Cyril Malabars, they will be very, very proud of the fact that St. Thomas himself evangelized them. They always say that our church was started by one of the apostles himself. Well, that is a that is a wonderful boast. <laughs> also, another rite is the Coptic rite, which is from Egypt, the Chaldean rite which is basically from Iraq. And then the Armenian rites, which, of course, is self-explanatory. And then the Maronites. Maronites come from areas like Lebanon and Syria. They were founded by people following a particular saint. He was a monk named Maron. And so that became known as the Maronite rite. The different rites of the church, as I mentioned, have jurisdictions beneath them ethnically. But what matters is how you express, not so much the ethnicity, but the style of expression, the spirituality, the saints, the theology, the liturgy. That's what makes the difference. That's what counts. That's what really counts. You can have the ethnic dimension, but it's largely these more significant dimensions of the theology, the spirituality, the saints, and so on, that really define a right or give a right the right to be called a right. <laughs> So Byzantine, Sir Malabar, Sir Malankar, Coptic, Chaldean, Armenian, and Maronite. From that, then, you have a total of basically about 21 different ways to be Catholic, because you have some of the Western rites. There's really only one for all practical purposes. There are a couple other Western rites, but for all practical purposes, they don't really exist. They technically do, but... In contrast, the Latin rite is really the one that most identifies the Western lung of the church. So you've got the Latin rite and then all the other Eastern rites. And underneath them, different jurisdictions, especially in the East. So you have basically what I call 21 different ways to be, quote-unquote, Catholic, of which about eight of them are actual rites, venerable ancient rites, their own saints, their own spirituality, and their own theology, their own customs, their own language, their own chant, and so on. Now, they all believe the same way. If you're Eastern Catholic, as I am, then, of course, you accept what the Catholic Church says, even though you may express that in the way of your own church, of your own church's right. So, the rights of the church are, they, well, they really, 
they have interesting histories and they certainly make things interesting, don't they? But let's be clear again. I am not, as an Eastern Rite Catholic, a Byzantine Rite, I am not part of religious order. I am a diocesan priest. We call it a eparchial priest. But there are religious orders, of course, in the Latin Rite. There are some in the Eastern Rites, but largely the Eastern Rites is just straight monasticism. We don't do as much with the different orders. The different orders, religious orders, developed out of Eastern monasticism as it was taken to the West and developed in many directions. That's oftentimes what would happen. Something would originate in the East. It would go West, and the Westerners allowed a lot more of development in different directions. For example, in the East, we codified and landed upon and have stuck to iconography. That's our only art form. The only official acceptable art form is iconography developed centuries ago. In the West, they took iconography and they used it as a bit of a springboard and they allowed other styles to come in to the expression of the faith through art. And the same thing with music in the West. The East basically sticks with its own indigenous chant, and each church has its own chant. But the West, although the Gregorian chant is to be given pride of place, especially according to the documents of Vatican II, which is what it said, although that is to be given pride of place, the Latin Rite does, of course, allow the mass and prayer to be in the language of the people. So the rites are what give the church a whole lot of color a whole lot of expression. And whatever right we are, we are all part of the one same belief, the one same faith, yes, ultimately connected with the one same Pope, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope of Rome. Even though the Eastern churches, many of them have their own patriarchs, still we are all in communion with the Pope of Rome, expressing our theology, our spirituality in our own indigenous ways, but still sharing the same faith as our Latin Rite brethren. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. News from around the world as it happens. Religious liberty, immigration, prayer, plus daily reports from the White House, Capitol Hill, and Rome. Get the Catholic News perspective on the things that impact your life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!